When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone, welcome to TakeOver Zelda. My name is Sal, I am your host, and this is the show where we take a look back at NXT's quintessential event, TakeOver. Last time on the show, Samoa Joe shocked the wrestling world appearing at the end of the night and headbutting NXT champion Kevin Owens. Sasha and Becky put everyone on notice that women's wrestling deserved the spotlight. And Blake and Murphy showed us that success is bliss. Tonight, we take a look back at the original Game Changer. Tonight, we look at NXT's first TakeOver event outside of Full Sail University. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. It started as a whisper until you screamed it at the top of your lungs we gained momentum you made us unstoppable we had a vision for change you made it a revolution we told you we are the future until you told us the future is now That sound you heard at the end of Triple H's Open was the sound of 15,000-plus screaming and cheering from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Very nice open, and I love that the arena was dark until Triple H said the line, The future is now. And then the lights came up, and you could see the packed house go nuts. It's good shit. We begin once again with a fashion show. And making his way to the ring from his seasonal residence in Cairo, Egypt. Not sure why he would choose there to reside this week, just to have to fly all the way to Brooklyn. Tyler Breeze. And his opponent. A man who has never wrestled in a WWE ring in his legendary 30-year career. 
for one night only. Jushin Thunder Liger! Big pop. Big pop from Brooklyn for the legend. Deservingly so. I remember I used to watch this guy in 92 battle Brian Pillman for the light heavyweight title. We begin the match and Breeze hits one standing tackle and immediately goes to the corner to pose while lying across the top turnbuckle. Not to be outdone, Liger hits a drop toehold, followed by an elbow drop to the lower back, and then he poses while lying across the top turnbuckle. That was funny. Liger locks Tyler in a modified surfboard stretch, and then a Ramiro special, or your classic surfboard, as it were. Soon after, Liger grabs the selfie stick and takes some selfies of his own. Tyler, annoyed at this, decides to fight back, and he nails a supermodel kick. This gets a two count. Breeze takes control and tries to wear down Liger. Breeze hits a modified backstabber for another two count. During a rest hold, in classic Brooklyn fashion, the fans chant, Full sail socks! Full sail socks! Really? You fucking New Yorkers? See, that is an example of the fans trying to make it about themselves. Liger comes back with a cannonball kick, followed by a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. He goes for a top rope splash, but Breeze gets his knees up. Breeze then hits a crucifix bomb for a two count. Breeze pounds on Liger in the corner, and the ref has to pull him off. Breeze gets frustrated and screams at the ref, Don't touch me! It's actually kind of funny. However, the slight distraction allows Liger to nail a show tag. Liger then hits a somersault plancha onto Breeze and finishes off Tyler with the Liger bomb. That was a fun match. Although there's still the mentality of bringing in an older legend and having him beat your younger talent. Now, it's a little bit different because, again, Jushin Thunder Liger has never been in the WWE. So it's not like the Goldberg well where they just keep going back to it. And it, again, it must have been an honor for Tyler Breeze to ha- to get a chance to wrestle. But I'm just saying Tyler Breeze's character at this point did continue to lose a lot in NXT. So it's not like he was going to the main roster, which happened soon, with any momentum. He just was the guy who put other people over more times Often than not. But, uh, you know, like I said, still fun match. After the match, we see, uh, the Wolf Pack chilling in the crowd. That's right, folks. I mean, not Savage and Conan, because that would be weird. But Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman, the original Wolf Pack, before the Wolf Pack broke off into their own NWO. Uh, apparently... Hall, Nash, and Six are here to see the hottest brand in wrestling. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that the brand is being run by their buddy, Triple H. Or the fact that they probably got a nice payday for doing the camera shot. 
Also, I guarantee you they left right after the camera show. Backstage, we see Bailey getting ready for her big title match tonight. Bailey sporting the polka dot wristbands and headband tonight, paying tribute to the American Dream, who had recently passed away in June. Charlotte and Becky show up to give her a hug and wish her good luck. Then we get a vignette for the yet-to-debut Nia Jax. Boy, I wish that never happened. We go to a very old-timey video, which means it must be time for match number two, NXT Tag Team Championships, the Villains versus Blake and Murphy. After the black and white on my screen magically changes to color, like it's the Wizard of fucking Oz, we go from the 1890s to the 1990s as dubstep camera zoom fills my screen. And the champs come out with the one and only Alexa Bliss. As we saw last time at TakeOver, Alexa is now the manager of Blake and Murphy. Which, thank God, because otherwise they'd be generic team number four. Just saying, Alexa makes everything better. See the fiend. Alexa grabs a mic and runs down the vaudevillains for not being able to find anyone to watch their back, because they had previously promised they would have somebody to handle Alexa. Alexa goes to slap Aiden English, but both Aiden and Simon Gotch tell Alexa to hold off, and they point to the entranceway. <sighs> and then, Leva Bates, who is then known as Blue Pants, make her way down to the ring to her Wish.com Price is Right theme. So, I shit you not, her Tron literally has cartoon blue pants on it. Why the fuck was this gimmick over? Her over-the-top announcer says she is coming to us straight from the clearance rack. Given how Leva Bates wrestles, maybe she should go back there. Bell rings, and Simon Gotch and Wesley Blake put in some mat work, and then Gotch tags in English, who runs off the ropes and boots Blake in the face. Buddy Murphy tags in, and Blake and Murphy try to hit English with a double clothesline, but he ducks under and hits both of them with a double arm drag. Hold on. One man that weighs 140 pounds soaking wet... Just threw two men with ease. I'll let that one sit. Aiden English maintains control over Simon Gotch until, wait a minute. No, that's not true. Because they're tag team partners, so I fucked that up. Aiden English maintains control over Buddy Murphy. Until Wesley Blake's pull, Wesley Blake pulls Aiden English's leg and he lands face first on the apron. With Aiden in trouble, Buddy punishes English as Alexa Bliss approves. 
Laker Murphy hit a beautiful double pop-up neckbreaker on English, but that only gets a two. English finally gets the hot tag to Simon Gotch, and Simon clears house. Is it clears house or cleans house? I guess but he clears the ring and he cleans house, I guess. Whatever. Um, however, this only lasts about, I don't know, 20 seconds, and then I shit you not, Simon Gotch tags back out to Aiden English. Dude, he literally just took like a fucking 10-minute beating. And you went in there for 20 seconds and thought, now that's a good time to tag back out. Seems like enough for now. Go ahead, Aiden, you get him. Gotch is immediately shoved to the outside, and Murphy catches English on the top turnbuckle. Blake joins Murphy, and they attempt a double superplex. But Gotch slides back into the ring and powerbombs Blake and Murphy. Aiden stays perched on the top rope and then hits a senton bomb for a two-count. Not bad. The Vaudevillains begin a double-team when Alexa Bliss jumps on the apron to yell at the ref. Blue Pants runs over, but Alexa tries to run away. Blue Pants grabs at Alexa's leg, but Alexa kicks her off and slides into the ring. Alexa stands up and is face-to-face with the Vaudevillains. She goes to slap Aiden, but Blue Pants slides in the ring, and I shit you not, in slow motion, grabs Alexa's hand, and then slaps Alexa. So, I know how, like, we kind of thought maybe Leva Bates wasn't that bad in NXT. Eh, I don't think she was that good either. There's probably a reason they didn't sign her. Uh, she then hits, kind of, sort of, a double leg takedown, and Alexa and Leva, or Blue Pants, as it were, uh, catfight and roll to the outside. This allows Buddy Murphy to sneak up and toss English to the outside, and then schoolboy Simon Gotch. Surprisingly, Gotch actually kicks out, which is funny, because I bet I thought that was the finish. English gets back in the ring, and the vaudevillains hit the whirling dervish on Buddy. Brooklyn then fucking explodes like Daniel Bryan just pinned John Cena to win the WWE title. I shit you not, Brooklyn popped huge for that, and this gets the three count, and we have new NXT Tag Team Champions. So why did the Brooklyn crowd respond so strongly? Because this is what NXT did back then. They told simple and concise stories, and they conditioned their audience to react a certain way, And nine times out of ten, Triple H would nail it. Doesn't matter if you were in Florida. Doesn't matter if you were in Brooklyn. Triple H booked guys to get over. And to hammer my point home, down the line, they get to SmackDown. They get treated like a joke, and therefore people respond to them like a joke. Also, there's the other thing that happened where Simon Gotch almost killed Enzo Amore. I don't think he necessarily meant to throw him headfirst into the bottom rope. At least I hope not. Afterwards, the vaudeville and celebrate, and they pick up blue pants on their shoulders and parade her around because she did anything. 
And, uh, yeah. Yay, Leva Bates. I guess. We go to an earlier today where Finn Balor arrives in a black SUV. Turns out he carpools with Aiden English. Not Aiden English. I'm sorry. Adrian Neville. Forgive me. Just thinking in English because I was just doing the man. Whatever. And then out of nowhere, so we have Finn and Neville get out of the, the SUV. And then, like, Cesaro shows up because Cesaro's fighting Kevin Owens at SummerSlam. So now him and Finn are best friends? Weird. Everyone's trying to get that Finn rub, apparently. Cesaro's like, please, please, make me relevant. Uh, Back to the crowd so the camera can show us legendary music producer Rick Rubin. Wow. Triple H uh, spared no expense tonight. Gotta get all the fucking B-list celebrities out here. Match number three, speaking of B-list, <laughs> it is uh the perfect ten, Ty Dillinger versus Apollo Crews. Dillinger comes out to not what we know is his WWE slash NXT music, but more of a, you know, a prelude to it. Um, and, uh, Dillinger has 10 shaved in the back of his head. He looks stupid. I give credit to Ty. Ty was in great shape. Cut. You know. Still had that dumb look on his face. Um, but what's Ty Dillinger doing at TakeOver? Oh, he's fighting Apollo Crews. uh, The recently signed Apollo Crews. So, uh, hmm. this seems to be the typical NXT formula at this point. You show up in the crowd at one takeover, and at the next takeover, uh, you win your debut match against some journeyman who's been in NXT way too long. It would be like if Marty Skrull showed up in the crowd at takeover, and then the next takeover, you would see him squashing Cameron Grimes. Same, same vibe. Ty does a cartwheel, uh, and he's very impressed with himself. Uh, we find out immediately after this that he does a cartwheel just so Apollo Crews can outshine him by doing a cartwheel followed by a backflip. Beat that, motherfucker! Soon after, Dillinger locks in a Cobra Clutch. Cruz escapes, but Dillinger super kicks him down, and this gets a two count. Ty goes for another super kick, but Apollo catches his foot and nails a standing enziguri. Apollo follows up with a flurry of offense, including a gorilla press and then a standing moonsault for the three count. Yep, that was it. Total match time? Under four minutes. And most of that was cartwheels and crowd shots. (laughs) Then we go backstage, and it's it's the general manager, folks. The man who's still the general manager six years later. It's William Regal. Regal pays tribute to Dusty and announces in Dusty's honor. 
there will be a massive star-studded tag team tournament like we've never seen before. And it will be called the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Interesting wording. Regal never once said this was to determine the best tag team in the world, nor did Regal ever say that this would include the best tag teams in the world. Regal simply said it would be a star-studded tag team tournament. You know, I suppose to that end, he was correct. There were lots of stars. Lots of single stars that they put together in tag teams. Then we are shown the four finalists from the latest Tough Enough season. Uh, there's some Jay Brown named Josh. The absolutely stunning Mandy Rose. The cute Sarah Lee. And some weird Bayou Billy guy that was named ZZ. Big surprise. The super hot chick is the only one who's still left in the WWE. Then we get a video package for our next match. Match number four. Baron Corbin versus Samoa Joe. God damn it. Samoa Joe's first takeover match in the WWE slash NXT was against Baron fucking Corbin. Ugh. Joe comes out, and the first thing I notice is they fixed his music. Thank God. It's the normal Joe music. It's not like the weird, like, vibing beatbox music. Crowd chants, Joe, Joe, Joe. And it actually goes with his theme song. Works out really nice. As both competitors are in the ring, the bell sounds and we get an audible, Joe is gonna kill you, Joe is gonna kill you, which I enjoyed. Uh, within 30 seconds, Joe locks in the coquina clutch. However, they don't want to murder Corbin. They do still, apparently, have some investment in him because he makes it to the ropes. Joe breaks and Corbin immediately takes a powder. When Corbin gets back in, Joe crashed Corbin in the mouth with a fucking claymore that sends him back to the outside. Joe sets up for a tope suicida, but Corbin catches him with a huge forearm. Joe fights back, however, and locks Corbin in a single leg grab, and then a crossface into a rings of Saturn. Joe's just straight up showing off now. They brawl to the outside, and Joe launches Corbin into the barricade, Joe throws Corbin back into the ring and stalks him, but Corbin transitions it into a heel hook. Well, how about that? Corbin learned a wrestling move. Joe gets to the ropes, but after the rope break, he walks right into a deep six. Yikes. This gets a two count. Corbin then hits a super kick. That was weird. But Joe no-sells it and hits another enziguri. Joe lights up Corbin with rights, but Baron responds with jabs and an uppercut. He was a golden-gloved boxer, after all. They continue to exchange strikes until Joe cracks Corbin in the mouth with a spinning back fist. That was fucking nice. Joe sets up Corbin for the muscle buster, but Corbin counters and hits a running boot on Joe. 
Corbin tries a clothesline, but Joe ducks and goes for the coquina clutch again, but Corbin slips away. He then grabbed Joe, he then grabs Joe with both hands by the throat, and Corbin screams, NOW! Okay. Random. He then hits Joe with a double-handed choke bomb. The double-handed choke bomb was nice, don't get me wrong. Why he grabbed Joe and, and so the camera could pick it up and go, NOW! It's a little weird. I don't know what that was about. Joe kicks out, however, and off the kickout, Corbin flies up in the air and twists his body around, and Joe locks him in the Kikina clutch. Right in the center of the ring. Corbin then struggles and fights and fights and fights, but eventually... He gets choked the fuck out. Your winner in his takeover debut, Samoa Joe. Now that was a decent little showcase by Joe. Obviously they were pushing the uh, Samoan submission specialist. Not bad. I mean, not... See, this is what's difficult because I knew Samoa Joe... The first time I saw Samoa Joe was off of um, a VHS tape that my brother had found at a, like a flea market where he and CM Punk had like an hour-long match. And then I watched Joe and TNA have these absolute fucking classics with AJ Styles and Kurt Angle. And then they had the triple threat with AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and like... Joe was so fucking amazing. And it's not that Joe wasn't still amazing in 2015, but it's just different. You know? Like, the Joe that, like, was at his peak was probably, like, main event mafia Joe. But we'll see. We'll see how this goes with Joe and NXT. There are a few things. Uh, that Joe does in NXT that I think are just amazing. But the problem is he, he's developed so good on his promos. Um, and his in-ring is just like a step slower than he used to be at this point. I mean, it is like 10 years since he was fighting AJ in the, in the asylum or whatever the fuck it was. So, yeah, what can you do? But, you know, still awesome to see Samoa Joe in NXT. Uh, and then because this bit isn't getting old enough, let's go to see more people planted in the crowd. And this time, I shit you not, and granted it is SummerSlam weekend and it is New York, but they show us Sergeant Slaughter sitting next to Ric Flair, sitting next to the recently signed Kana, or as you know her today, Asuka. Now, I seriously doubt that those three would ever sit next to each other on purpose. Also, I don't exactly know why we couldn't give Kana her own camera shot, like they did with Apollo Crews last takeover. But I do think that they they do something to that effect on NXTV, either before tonight or after. Because I remember... Like, them putting her over huge. Like, oh, there's Kana. She's one of the most dangerous women in the world. Um, so, I, I know that they do that 
like around this point, but they definitely didn't do it here. Um, then, for reasons that I'm sure Vince has, uh, Team Bad is shown in the crowd. Tamina and Naomi, who are there to support their Team Bad member, Sasha Banks, who already got called up to the main roster last month and has a match at SummerSlam. So, uh, I mean, uh, her Team Bad friend's gonna jump the barricade and help Sasha win, because if not, don't exactly know why they're here. Also, if Team Bad actually did cost Bailey the title, there might have been a riot. Just, you know. Speaking of riot-inducing, Stephanie McMahon comes out next. Remember, this is still at the height of the authority. In fact, Brooklyn boos the shit out of her. I mean, I can't really blame them. You can't play a sadistic heel on Raw and show up on NXT and expect to get cheered. Unless you're Triple H. Anyway, Stephanie says that Triple H makes sure the women are in the main event. And she is proud to introduce our main event tonight. She is here to introduce our NXT women's title match. But Steph, we still have another title match after between Owens and Balor that actually closes the show. It's a double main event! Steph, thankfully does not actually introduce either competitor. Rather, she introduces us to the promo package for the feud. Bailey, portrayed as an underdog her entire NXT career. Uh, in fact, portrayed more as a fangirl than an actual contender or threat. And they've done a really nice job of building it and building it and building it, and the fact that the other three of the four horsewomen have already been brought up to the main roster. Sasha, Charlotte, Becky. The crowd was red hot for Bailey right now to become the next NXT women's champ. Um, it seems to me this was the right time and the right place and everything that you could want going into a match had been done correctly and executed well, and it set the stage for what should be an epic match. And to be totally honest, I would have understood if Bailey and Sasha closed the show. But, I don't know, maybe Hunter was mer- nervous about putting that pressure on them? Or maybe he didn't want to piss off Finn and Owens? I, I don't know, it's not... Terrible that they were the double main event. Um, but I could have seen it going either way. These girls, uh, storyline, Sasha and Bailey had that much, had that much heat. Definitely could have closed the show. But, you know. It is your first main event of the evening. NXT Women's Champion Sasha Banks defends her title against Bailey. Bailey comes out to a big pop. But Sasha comes out in a fucking Cadillac. So, Big Pop, Cadillac. Just saying. Uh, Big Cadillac Escalade, mind you. So she's like coming straight out of a rap video. Which is cool. Um, 
but she also, speaking of straight out of a rap video, she's also accompanied by four massive bodyguards. Hey, when you're the boss, you know. They accompany her all to the all the way to the ring, and then two of them actually help her onto the apron. Sasha flaunts the title in Bailey's face as Greg Hamilton gives us our official ring introductions. I gotta say they did a really nice job of having that big fight feel. Sasha is introduced from Boston, Mass. And Brooklyn erupts in booze when they hear the word Boston. I totally get that. I mean, because if it was the reverse and they were like, from New York, I'm sure Boston would boo the shit out of them. The bell rings and Sasha decides to talk trash to Bailey. Uh, but Bailey drops her with a double leg takedown. They brawl on the mat and Sasha pounds Bailey's face into the turnbuckle. Bailey no-sells it and grabs Sasha by the head and pounds her face into the turnbuckle and then picks her up and puts her in the tree of woe. Bailey then hits a very nice bottom rope springboard elbow drop onto Sasha while she's in the tree of woe. I approve. She covers Sasha, but it's too early for that shit, and Sasha immediately kicks out at one. See? We are one minute into the match. I don't mind a one count at this point. Bailey starts rolling on offense. Sasha rolls to the outside and takes a powder. Bailey goes out after her and drop kicks her down to the floor. She tosses Sasha back in and they continue to fight back and forth. Bailey and Sasha struggle for position on the second rope and Sasha kicks Bailey off the turnbuckle and Bailey tumbles to the floor. Yikes. Sasha in control now and she lays into Bailey with kicks and then Punishes Bailey with a neck vice. And then she transitions that into a straitjacket. Sasha continues to brutalize Bailey. She goes for the jumping knees in the corner spot, but Bailey catches her in midair. But before Bailey can do anything about it, Sasha transitions into a head scissors and drives Bailey headfirst onto the top turnbuckle. Sasha then lays Bailey across the top turnbuckle. Not the middle rope, the actual top rope, and Sasha climbs on top of her and then drops the double knees onto Bailey on the top rope. Ooh. Actually, that's exactly what Brooklyn said. Brooklyn was like, whoa. This gets a two count. Bailey continues to sell like a fucking champ. Ricky Steamboat would be proud, and Sasha continues to do amazing heel work. Sasha screams at Bailey in the corner that she'll never, but before Sasha can finish that sentence, Bailey boots her in the face. You'll never! (laughs) Good stuff. Bailey tries to make a comeback, but Sasha drops her neck first onto the second rope with a stunner. On the outside now, and Sasha rips off the wrist tape around Bailey's recently injured right hand. To me, this is the point in the match that they take it to the next level. Especially in the in-ring psychology department. With the wrist tape ripped off, 
Sasha viciously attacks Bailey's right hand. She slams it into the ring stairs repeatedly. And then Sasha even Shana's her elbow before Shanaing your elbow was a thing. Which means she prompts Bailey's elbow to point up and then stomps on it. In a spot that is a little bit uh iffy as far as believability, Sasha shoves Bailey's hand in between the ring steps and the ring, and then kinda like leaves Bailey there for a good like second. So Bailey could have just moved her hand, but whatever. Because Sasha kicks the stairs into Bailey's hand, which is magically trapped between the stairs and the map. Hey, whatever, the, that still looked fucking vicious. And then, just to show off, Sasha goes back in the ring and runs and jumps over the referee with a flipping senton onto Bailey. Now you're just showing off. Uh, Sasha then almost kills herself to drop Bailey over the top rope. Like, Sasha takes Bailey's arm and, like, jumps over the top rope to, to kind of, like, you know, stunner Bailey's arm, as it were. Um, but Sasha hits the fucking floor hard. Like, probably not the best thing to do at that point. Uh, possible concussions aside, Sasha gets back in the ring and Bailey mounts her comeback. Bailey musters all of her strength and hits an exploder suplex on Sasha into the turnbuckle. Bailey goes for the Bailey to belly, but Sasha blocks it. Sasha drops Bailey with an arm DDT and locks her in the bank statement. Then in a move that will go on to define this rivalry even to this day. While Bailey is locked in the bank statement, Sasha violently stomps on Bailey's injured right hand. Fucking beautiful. The crowd is absolutely appalled, but like in a good way. Like, oh shit. Uh, Bailey still fights to get to the rope, so Sasha tries to kick off the bottom rope and flip over so she can get her back in the middle of the ring. But in the middle of this transition, Bailey escapes, and then Bailey locks Sasha in the bank statement. <laughs> Nicely done. Crowd goes nuts, but Sasha eventually gets her foot on the bottom rope for the break. Brooklyn responds with a very loud This Is Awesome chant, followed by an NXT chant. Both, I would say, are appropriate at this moment. Bailey drags Sasha away from the ropes by her feet and pulls her so hard that Sasha's body lifts up off the canvas and Sasha lands on her feet only to be immediately hit with the belly to belly. Bailey covers, but much to Brooklyn's dismay, Sasha kicks out just before three. Bailey drags Sasha to her feet and forces her to the corner. Bailey picks up Sasha and puts her on the top turnbuckle, but Sasha fights her off. Bailey falls back and charges at Sasha and hits a running forearm. Bailey goes for a top rope her and Karana, but Sasha holds on to the ropes and Bailey flips backward and lands hard on her stomach. 
Bailey then tries to get up, but Sasha nails her with a meteor from the top rope. Sasha hooks both Bailey's legs off of the impact and pins Bailey like Bulldog did that time he beat Bret Hart. But somehow Bailey still manages to kick out. Now it's Sasha's turn to drag Bailey to the turnbuckle and put her on the top turnbuckle and try something new, but Bailey fights her off. Sasha jumps back onto the turnbuckle and then both girls dangerously fight on the turnbuckle. It's it's like, oh shit, what the fuck's gonna happen? What's gonna happen is it's a moment in the match that some people may think went a little bit too far. Because it definitely looked dangerous as fuck. Bailey hit Sasha with a top rope poison rana before anybody even knew it was a fucking poison rana. <laughs> I guess at that point it was just the reverse hurricane rana. Um, Sasha comes within probably an inch of landing on her neck but rotates at the last fucking second to not die, which is nice. Uh, Brooklyn loses their shit, and rightfully so, but holy shit, that was a little scary. Bailey then charges over to Sasha as Sasha tries to stumble up, and Bailey snatches up Sasha and hits another Bailey to belly, and this time to win the NXT Women's Championship. It is pandemonium in Brooklyn. Fantastic fucking match. Epic finish. Scary as shit watching that Poison Rana. Although now everyone does the Poison Rana. Unless you're listening to this in the year 2024, when the move has been banned because someone died that one time. But that's then... Allegedly. And this is now. And this was the match that many people consider to really put women's wrestling on the map. Like, this was it. Um, especially not just in NXT, but in, in the WWE in general. Um, as technically good as Sasha versus Becky was, from the last takeover, this match had all that plus more. It was on a bigger stage in front of a lot more people. The crowd was hot for them. The story was there. And, you know, as they specifically mentioned on commentary, Bailey was the superhero to all the little girls across the world. So it was the feel-good moment. It was the underdog finally winning the big one. It, and it was a fucking fantastic story and match. Hats off to both girls. This was fucking beautiful. Becky and Charlotte run down to congratulate Bailey. And then Sasha gets in the ring and like the whole crowd goes silent. Like, oh shit, what you gonna do? Um, Sasha breaks character and the two embrace. And then all four women embrace. And then they all hold up the four horsewomen sign. It's the quintessential feel-good moment as we go off the air. See, that would have been a perfect ending to this night. 
you know, they decided to not do that. Instead, we have another match. Who the fuck's bright idea was that? I mean, I feel bad for Finn and Owens to have to follow that. I mean, I'm sure, technically, they can. But Finn already won the fucking title a month ago in Japan at Beast in the East. So Finn is the champion going into this match. Kevin Owens has already been called up to the main roster since fucking May. So no one thinks Owens is winning this match tonight. You know? Like, so there's, it's already, you know, out of the gate, um, trying to play catch up. That's, that's never good. We go to the crowd where Seth Rollins is shown in the crowd. He is at this point, of course, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um, Seth is watching with his then girlfriend and Nazi sympathizer, Zara Schreiber. Who knew that Seth's future wife would be in the ring on this night and not the girl sitting right next to him? Then we kill time at the commentator's table for some fucking god-awful reason. I don't know. Maybe they were just trying to space out, like, the ultimate high that everybody felt from Bailey and Sasha. Uh, And we hear that NXT will be touring the UK in December, which is nice. But obviously, what we didn't realize at that point was it was planting the seeds for what would become NXT UK. Like, oh yeah, we're going to go over there and hold some shows to um, satisfy our, our fans in England. But we're also going to go over there to like scout and like secretly lay out this plan for a whole NXT in the United Kingdom. Which is pretty smart when you think about it. Still waiting for that NXT Japan though. We then get a very nice promo package for Owens versus Balor. Um, as I mentioned, Finn already won the title on July, on Ju- not July 4th, but in July at Beast in the East. Uh, but you know, tonight will be a ladder match, so there's still that. And they hammer home the point that Finn has never, ever been in a ladder match. And yet Kevin Owens, because he was an ROH and PWG, has been in a shit ton of ladder matches. Main event number two, NXT Championship, Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor in a ladder match. We see Kevin Owens backstage... And he essentially does the Goldberg walk through the curtain. And then his music hits. Uh, Brooklyn cheers him loudly. See, despite how good Owens was as a heel, and trust me, he was fucking good as a heel. Um, this is ROH country. Brooklyn is very, very familiar with Kevin Owens. NXT fans in general are very familiar with Kevin Owens because they typically were the Smarky fans. And um, there was no fucking way they were going to boo him. You know, outside of, like, him putting Daniel Bryan in a wheelchair, I can't imagine how Brooklyn would boo Kevin Owens at this point. In fact, when he gets in the ring, he gets the whole fucking crowd riled up. So... 
There you go. Lights go out. And it's time for the entrance of the demon. Which, at this point, Finn has done for every takeover that he's been at, including the Little Beast in the East special in Japan. Mm, which is great, except for the fact that it's already not that special anymore because you just keep doing it. Finn comes out to a pretty nice reaction. Uh, they have strategically placed the NXT title belt in the center of the aisle. So Finn, or Demon Finn, crawls over to it and then, like, snatches it up. Okay. Which is a little bit weird for a ladder match, because I figured that it would already be hanging above the ring, but I guess we'll just hoist it up when both guys get in the ring. I am correct, as Finn meets Owens in the center of the ring and hands the ref the title, who then attaches it to the pulley so we can all watch in awe as the title gets hoisted in the air. The bell rings, and Owens decides he talks shit to Finn first, and then shoves Finn, but Finn responds with swift strikes and a picture-perfect dropkick. However, Owens seizes the advantage as some drunk dude, I would assume, uh, gets thrown out of the arena, and then the entire crowd on the hard cam looks left. And you know that thing they do where everybody stands and looks at the guy that's getting beat up by the security? And then everybody stands and, like, watches him get dragged out. That's what they all did. I hate that shit. It takes away from the match so fucking bad. Uh, Owens punishes Balor and squashes him in the corner with a running cannonball. Finn comes back with a sling blade. Finn sets up for the John Boo dropkick, but Owens escapes to the outside and goes for a ladder. Finn chases Owens down, and the two fight in the aisle. Uh, for possession of the ladder. Owens wins and shoves the ladder into Finn's ribs against the ring apron. He does this two more times, but Finn continues to fight. They then brawl into the crowd, and Owens tries to powerbomb Balor on the concrete, but Balor reverses it and backdrops Owens over the barricade and back to ringside. Balor tries to follow up with a flying forearm, but Owens catches him and drives him spine first into the barricade. Owens grabs another ladder from under the ring, but as he turns around, Finn drop kicks him in the face. Finn gets the ladder into the ring, and Brooklyn chants, We want tables! Listen, you spoiled little fucking brats. You'll get what they give you. Shut the fuck up. Finn climbs, but Owen slides in the ring and grabs his ankle. He pulls Finn down and then kicks him in the face. Then he chucks him face first into a ladder. Jesus. Finn falls to the outside, but quickly gets back in and brings in the first ladder as Owens tries to climb the second ladder. They brawl and Finn goes for a running drop kick. But Owens lays him out with a clothesline. Owens then takes the ladder and drives it into Finn's ribs. He lays Finn's body on the ladder and then hits a running senton on Finn. Owens then sets up the ladder so it's on its side and open. 
and he tries to powerbomb Finn on that. Except for Finn reverses it and oh and backdrops Owens and Owens lands back first on the open ladder. Why now that I think about it, Kevin Owens has done this so much in his WWE career, and I'm assuming his RH career too. Why does he take these ridiculously stiff bumps on ladders that are you know, face the wrong way on, on chairs that are prompted up. Like he's done this so many times. Like is his spine made of jelly or is he just going to be in a wheelchair in like a couple years? I love, I love Kevin Owens, but every time I just think of all the matches he's had where he's landed spine first on some type of metal and it's just like, Oh dude, I hope you're not following your make fooling yourself. I hope you're like okay as you get older because they just look rough. Uh, this one no different to be quite honest. Uh, let's see. Here. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, the f- so after uh, Owens almost cripples himself, uh, Balor goes up to the top, top turnbuckle and nails the coup de grace. Balor sets up the ladder. But Owens stops him. Owens pulls Finn off the ladder into a pop-up powerbomb. Now Owens' turn to climb the ladder. But Finn tips it over and Owens hits the turnbuckle. Yikes. Owens crawls to the outside. Finn attempts the coup de grace off the apron. But Owens moves. Balor hits nothing. And turns around and gets snatched up by Finn. Who po- I'm sorry. Who gets snatched up by Owens who Papa powerbombs him on the fucking ring apron. Yikes. Owens gets back in the ring, because Finn should be dead, to be fair. He attempts to uh, climb the ladder, but Balor stops him. Owens jumps down off the ladder and super kicks Balor in the teeth. Given his association in the past in ROH and PWG, and given the fact that this is Brooklyn, we get a Young Bucks chant. You know, because he threw a super kick. For fuck's sake. Balor tries to crawl to his feet, so Owens kicks him again. Owens takes the second ladder and wedges it between the first ladder and the turnbuckle. None of this looks good. Uh, and I mean that like in a dangerous sort of way. Owens drags Balor to the top and goes for a superplex off of the ladder onto the other ladder. But thank God Balor fights out. And then he takes Owens' face and slams it into the top of the ladder. So Owens flatbacks onto the other ladder. Ouch. Owens bounces off that ladder and sells on the mat. And then Finn, who's basically on the very top of the ladder, but, you know, like the second rung from the top, uh, jumps off with a fabulous coup de grace. Finishing move now executed. Bala climbs up and grabs the title. Your winner and still, not surprising anyone, 
Finn Balor. The match was okay. Um, not super memorable and not super long. Again, it doesn't help that they had to follow Bailey and Sasha. But, regardless, still a very solid match. Uh, Finn is over. Finn is over as fuck. Owens is over. Owens, to his credit, would remain over on the main roster. Uh, and we all know that Finn would remain over pretty much for the rest, uh, you know, the rest of his NXT career for sure, but definitely the rest of his, uh, WWE career, although it's still going, so. And I would say he's still fucking over. He's Finn fucking Balor. Of course he's over. Um, I will say this. This was by far, hands down, the best takeover that NXT had ever put on to this point. Uh, just the fact that they were in front of 15,000 strong in Brooklyn would have done that. But, you know, that's that Sasha Bailey match was definitely one for the ages and easily the best women's match I had ever seen to that point. Um, you know, the Joe debut was fun. Uh, the tag match was okay. It wasn't anything offensive. It was okay. And then, you know, the Apollo match was what it was. It was to get Apollo Crews over. So, but I, I do, I have to say that between, oh, and of course I loved fucking Jush and Thunder Liger. Are you kidding me? That was fucking great. Um, to be true, but all things to, uh, truth be told, between the crowd, the location, the Sasha Bailey match, this takeover is the night that changed the game. It was fucking incredible. Um, and to be honest, it made NXT the brand to watch in 2015. This started the very famous trend when WWE would have one of their big four pay-per-views and NXT would outshine them the night before. Uh, I would say it started here because this was like one of the first times they paired uh, TakeOver in the Big Four, you know, uh, the same weekend. Because previous to that, at WrestleMania 31, the TakeOver that came, it, it, it was not the same weekend. It was like a completely different month, you know. And, and then they did, so they purposely avoided it. They did one in February and then they did, you know, Unstoppable in May. So this was the first time that it was paired with and I think it was four straight nights in Brooklyn. It went NXT TakeOver, and then SummerSlam, and then Raw, and then back then SmackDown was on Tuesdays. Um, and this this is what started it. This is what started TakeOver outshining the main roster in every aspect of the word. Whether it was the card, the matches, the stories, the presentation, they completely outshined them. Um... To the point where, and I know we're in a pandemic right now, and I know things have been changed a lot, but you don't really see them do the um, the weekend of TakeOver and in the Big Four event anymore. Now, again, I understand that it was changed because of the pandemic, but I would be surprised if they went back to it. Seems like they can... Get more eyes on the product by spreading shit out. Uh, you know, that's all well and good for today's product. But, again, I love going back and watching these old takeovers, man. Especially because 
a lot of times you think something was like super awesome and it's fun to go back and say, well, you know, eh, maybe not so much. Like for, for example, that top rope poison Rana in retrospect, it was the cool spot, but the fact that we now get a poison Rana on every fucking show that AEW puts on, um, and still some on the main roster and NXT, uh, maybe not so good in, in hindsight, you know, maybe we could have done something else. Like a top rope belly to belly or something. Anywho, uh, yes, this was a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun, and I know it's been a while, but we will continue to explore takeovers from the past. Next time, Sasha and Bailey will have a rematch, and next time, it will be a full sail university. So I look forward to that, and to all of you, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Takeover Salvation. Good night. Goodbye. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash thesalzer effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.